2: Best vacation of 2023, Susie Jones, world traveler. Uh, I think I remember you being uh, on Sicily, correct?
0: That's where I was. Wow, in June. A
2: lot of ladi da vacations here in the with the CCO staff. Mine was uh, Italy as well. Dave's was uh, Thailand, cool. and he went to Italy too.
0: Jeez! Uh,
2: so your best. We're doing best vacations of 2023. I was, was that it for you?
0: I think Sicily was, but I'll tell you what. I've never seen the. Uh, parks out west we yeah. saw a glacier oh grand tetons and um yellowstone yeah terrific so really fun to see those up close and personal with holiday vacations i know you guys are taking a couple mm-hmm. trips with them they do a great job of showing you and educating you about a lot of different things in this country and it is beautiful to see firsthand
2: excellent yeah another good one yeah uh, isla mojara isla mojaras uh, someone says yeah i was on isla mojaras a few years ago that was a uh, very very nice uh, COVID trip, delayed a COVID trip, took 14 family members this Thanksgiving. Our favorite trip in January was Frisco, Texas, to watch our grandson play and win in the FC, FCS championship, Go Jack, South Dakota State University. We will be there January 7th, 2024, for a repeat win. Excellent. Uh, Grand European Viking Cruise, we went in August, best trip ever, 15 days. Uh, Finally got to go. paid for it in September 2019. Finally got to go four years later. Excellent. All right. Christmas
3: and winter season, often a time to start cold weather traditions, but warm weather are uh, causing some Minnesotans to be creative. Many are wanting to get out on the ice, but the folks in New London are uh, being a little creative. It's the water ski team in (sighs) New London that uh, were out last week. This is from a post on Facebook. It's a ski team thing to try to get out on the water as far into the winter as possible. But this is a first. We skied on Green Lake in Spicer, Minnesota on Christmas Eve. That's right. Water skiing in Minnesota on Christmas Eve. Adam, would you partake in that activity? Are there any other uh, well, a lot of summer people, activities you're going to hang on to into the winter?
2: No. I mean, I like I said, I want to ice fish. and that's we had We had ice on a lot of lakes, and that ice is gone. So talk about early ice out. It's already happened. Um, but I see a lot of people taking their boats back out to go fishing. Uh, my boat is in storage, so I will not be taking my boat out of storage. No. Uh, I'd like the cold weather to get some ice. It's like I, this, we were just talking about it. It's like at least see some sun, is it snow or sun. Give me one of them because it's like, ah, uh, I don't like this weather. I'm sorry. It's very disorienting. Disorienting, disorientating.
3: Your, ver, your verbiage is disorienting. That's
2: what I'm saying. I'm totally <laughs> off. So give me sun or give me snow, and I'd uh, honestly I want I want some ice. I'm sorry, I want to go ice fishing, so I could use a nice cold snap anytime here. And I got new nice boots for Christmas, big lacrosse ice fishing boots, and I want to use them. I disagree with you. Look,
3: I like ice and snow more than most people. Yes. But to me, you got to embrace the weather we're having. No, I don't have to embrace it. I can be upset with it. Then you just live a life of being upset. Why don't you embrace the weather we're having now? And then when it's April and there's still ice and snow, embrace that, Okay, so what
2: am I supposed to do? Go biking or something? Yes. Ah. I saw a lot of folks biking over the weekend. All right, maybe I'll give it a shot. If the sun comes out, I don't like this gloomy weather.
3: Two men in Indiana were scouting for fishing locations yesterday when they stumbled upon a truck that had left the pavement on Interstate 94 and crashed by a nearby overpass. This truck was in a blind spot where nobody from the road could see it. They approached the truck and discovered a man who had been trapped inside the vehicle for six days. Oh, my God. He was alive. He was injured. He couldn't reach his cell phone, oh. and was uh, uh, reportedly very relieved to be rescued by his guests. He's being treated in an, at an area of a hospital. What's your reaction to that story? What, Adam?
2: What, so, like, he, so first of all, he missed Christmas. His family thinks probably he's dead. So, I mean, the redemption of that—the yeah, fact yeah. that he is—but what do you do for six? You know, I think your mind probably somehow. Re, adapts to your situation Ugh. but that is I, I cannot imagine uh being stuck in that position for six days
3: and his cell phone was in the vehicle in the vehicle but, but out of
2: reach he's trapped it. oh you're <laughs> probably thinking that you're not yeah it's Well, over. at first you're probably thinking well somebody's going to come along any minute here yeah. and then you realize oh my god what's happening here people are not thousands of people passing, passing by. by just feet from yes. within feet oh. of you and these fishermen come back oh man wow
3: I'm sure you know this because you were glued to your TV yesterday, but the Gophers won the click quick lane bowl thirty to twenty-four. I do see that. Uh check out some of these stats. Cole Kramer, Minnesota kid, was jumping in as quarterback for the first time because of the transfer portal. Um he went get this eight for sixteen for twenty-six yards, two touchdowns and an interception for a quarterback rating of sixty. Six Eight for 16 for 26 yards, which means the offense had to come from somewhere. That somewhere was Darius Taylor, who led the yeah. team with 35 carries, 208 yards. By the way, Darius Taylor, also the top receiver for the Gophers yesterday, catching a whopping two passes for 11 <laughs> hey, yards.
2: Did the job. Uh, did the job. What do you think about a lackluster bowl game? I actually watched a little bit of the start of it, and I was kind of bored by it. And I see that P.J. Fleck doesn't get the bowl bonus because they actually technically weren't bowl eligible. What? So his contract, apparently, from my understanding, he gets the bowl bonus only if the Gophers were actually bowl eligible. And technically, they weren't bowl eligible. They made it on the that academic yeah. selection somehow. But I think he's doing okay. I mean, yeah. P.J., has got to be a tough pretty good money. to swallow, though. he win a game. And- yeah. Uh, and, I mean, look... Yeah, they've, they're not top tier bowls by any stretch of the imagination, but they that's, win them, though. That's, a, that's a stretch of bowl victories. And yep. I mean, uh, if you travel, if you're a Gopher football fan, and whether you're traveling to Pasadena or Detroit, you want to see your team win. And they won. Bowling green. I don't think that's anything to hang a hat on, but congratulations to the Gophers. We'll
3: talk a little more football here because of a texture that texted in. Uh, yeah. Asked me to ask about the Vikings, of course. TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, uh, we found out today ACL and MCL injury out for the season. Uh, texture wants to know if we should
2: start Jaron Hall this week, the rookie quarterback. Yes, yes. Uh, I you know uh, missing the playoffs. I don't think is good. like what if they make the playoffs. Is there any any? Uh, possibility of moving forward in the playoffs. No. I'm sorry. Uh, you're not going to compete with Philadelphia. You're not going to be with San Francisco. You're not going to compete with Dallas. Uh, so I would start Jaron Hall. See what you have. The Hawkinson news, by the way, that's really bad yes, news yes. because that's that's a injury that's going to linger into next season. Mm-hmm. So his future, at least for the start of next season, is in doubt. And I know that text are also questioning about Cousins. I... You know, when he went down an in injury, I was fairly—I was fairly convinced that he'd probably played his last game as a Minnesota Viking. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not so sure. I mean, when you realize how, for all the Kirk Cousins hate there's been out there, how solid a quarterback you have in Kirk Cousins, I think his absence proves that with what we've seen on the field. Um, and barring somehow Jaron Hall going out there and lighting things up and being an incredible backup, or maybe. Competing for the job, I think you want to bring Kirk Cousins back somehow. I don't know if that's financially fo- possible, uh, but we shall see. But, yeah, as far as this season, I think it's over. I mean, look, the you can every team deals with injuries, but I think the Vikings really got an unfair hand dealt to them with all the injuries they faced this year, and it is what it is. I don't think making the playoffs helps at this point. Get the better draft pick and uh, say, look, the season was out of our control.
3: I think even if you uh, still think the Vikings should make a push to get into the playoffs, the, the reason not to play Jaron Hall was that he's an unknown. Well, yeah. well we know a lot about the other two quarterbacks that are in an exactly, and they have
2: not done well for no. us, so why not give him a chance? Right. I don't think we need to see Nick Mullins anymore. Sorry. Uh, Ten seventeen. 17 uh, lots of texts coming in about favorite vacations of 2023. We'll revisit some of those as we move forward. And coming up in about 10 minutes... The uh, social experiment in St. Paul, the guaranteed income, the University of Penn says it's worked. It's working. I say that shouldn't shock us, but is it sustainable? I'll have some thoughts on that in about 15. Uh, as I mentioned, one of the uh, spots I vacationed to in 2023. We're taking your text on best vacation you took here in uh, 2023. 651 uh, somebody said do a 10 day trip to Morocco three days in Paris on the way back son-in-law is a native Moroccan we had a guided tour through Morocco 1400 miles in a rental car wow um, I went to Los Angeles and I was stayed right in Hollywood and they had the uh, Hollywood Walk of Fame the stars and the. Uh, it's kind of anticlimactic you've seen so many pictures of it that Just walking down the sidewalk and, wow, there's the stars of the walk and the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I'm always shocked to see uh, stars getting their uh, star on the Walk of Fame like uh, surprising like, wow, you'd think they would have had the star there sooner. But uh, the reason I bring that up is they're still trying to remove Donald Trump's star from the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Of course, prior to being president, we all know that Donald Trump Trying to be, uh, in addition to being a uh, real estate mogul, uh, was also a reality TV star, The Apprentice. Uh, So based on that and the fact that he also was involved with the Miss Universe pageant, back in 2007 he received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. When he was president, uh, newsflash, he wasn't exactly uh, roundly loved by all. And there were several times when people would damage or... Uh, do other things to his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which, by the way, is illegal. But that's a that's a side issue. But they're still trying. Are certain groups to get his star f- um, f- removed? And this is again one of those situations where it's like, why are we doing this? Does it really matter all that much? Because here's the thing: no stars have been removed from the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So. There's uh, other stars who've been involved with bad behavior. Uh, Bill Cosby comes to mind. Uh, his star is still on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So why, in this instance, would Donald Trump's star be removed from the Hollywood Walk of Fame? I think, uh, obviously, people can start petitions, and they can try to do that if they'd like. To me, uh, this seems a little ridiculous.
3: Yeah, I think the conversation to me ends there. That was going to be my first question. Oh, what's the process? What is the criteria that's been laid out for removing somebody, and what sort of um, general appreciation for a person or lack of right. controversy do you have to have to stay? And the answer to all of those is none. If you get put there, you I was stay there. Say and, you
2: stay there, like and
3: and then it's a reminder of okay. Some of our stars are still shining brightly, and some of our stars, guess what, aren't very good people. Yes, and if if we've decided that in this specific way of honoring them, they all stay, then that's the end of the discussion. They all stay.
2: That's I I, I don't I don't understand that. But there's a petition calling on the Los Angeles City Council to remove the star, 3,800 signatures, uh, and they're still trying to do this. It originally originally was started back in 2020, but there's still an effort. To remove it. Um, it cannot be this hard, according to the man who uh, started this um, this this petition, Andrew Rudick, Hollywood Hills resident. It cannot be this hard. This man attempted a coup against the United States, and yet we continue to honor him. How are we, the voters, supposed to have faith in the city council to deal with any real level of challenge if they can't get this done? To- really? I mean, we're really criticizing the Hollywood City Council just based on the fact that they maybe just don't want to do anything to do with this? Saying... All the stars are there and they stay no matter what the bad behavior by certain stars do.
3: And if you take off, if you remove one star, then all of the calls from all the other people that have done questionable things, you're going to have to start a whole right. new
2: removing the star board to evaluate
3: who should be there and who shouldn't. You open up that whole can of worms. Uh,
2: don't do it. And it, it says so in his quote, too, about how, uh, how yet we continue to honor him. No, you recognize him for his impact on television. That's, I mean, you could argue uh, yes or no to whether or not that, you know, having The Apprentice or whatever it is, uh, is merits a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but I, I, I fail to see that's really honoring him. Uh, another example of cancel culture going overboard in society. This one, texter six five one four six one nine two two six. It's like taking all the down, down wow. all the statues and renaming schools, lakes, and buildings. I think that's different. See, I, I argue that's different. I think there's, and I don't buy into the fact that while well, you're erasing history by taking down a statue, no, you're not. You are, you're, you're saying this place that at one time we named in honor of someone we're changing course on that doesn't erase them from history. You can still read about them and what they did historically. That doesn't erase history. I will say this, though. uh, I have kind of come around to a a different level of thinking on that, and that when we judge people by current standards, uh, that is something that I also question, too. And when I think we've done that in this rush to say, okay, we've got to change all these things, is that Certain people should be judged based on the times that they lived in and not necessarily the times that we exist in now.
3: Yes, but going back to the example of the Hollywood Walk of Fame, if, if Hollywood Boulevard was named after Mr. Hollywood, who was a racist or had some yeah. other you know untoward past, then yes, that's a totally different discussion. And that's similar to renaming lakes or roads or schools or whatever. It's not that. It's just one of the stars. It's like a list. Exactly. It's like an encyclopedia right. of people Who's who have exactly. impacted and, entertainment. Right. And he is absolutely on that list. That He is a, a, a person, a star, who has had a splash in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And you can't take that away by any action.
2: Right. And there's plenty, as you pointed out, there are plenty of other stars on that walk of fame where people have had questionable views, did questionable things, and we don't uh, scream to the hills to say we should remove those stars. Uh, someone in here's a texture that nails it. If there's one thing we've learned recently is that there's no such thing as an all around deserving person in this world. Sadly, I think there's a lot of a truth to that. So, uh, guaranteed income in St. Paul, a select group of people received $500, uh, for a couple of years, uh, based on a pilot project in the city of St. Paul. The findings of that are now out based on the University of Pennsylvania, which conducted the study into that. And I got to be honest, I'm not surprised at anything that this uh, study says. And it makes me question whether or not it's worth it. We'll get into that next after Traffic and Weather on CCO. Is giving money to uh, low-income residents, guaranteed income, going to help them get out of poverty? I think the answer is obviously yes, but I do not think that, by and large, Americans are ready for that concept. And I applaud uh, the city of St. Paul for trying it. I know we've talked to Melvin Carter many times about the Guaranteed Income pilot program in the city of St. Paul, which gave select residents, 95 families, uh, $500 a month um, to use on necessities. There were prepaid debit cards. The city was able to monitor uh, what was being spent, as was the University of Pennsylvania, which kind of uh, did a study on this pilot program. And the results of those studies are now out by the University of Pennsylvania. And what do they tell us? I don't think it should surprise anybody that (laughs) the, the, the school that's doing the research on this project says, hey, it works. Of course it works. But here's the thing about it. Does this country have the appetite to support those in need in such a manner? And even if you say no, I don't think that necessarily means that You are somehow against the poor or are looking down upon the poor. It's so many things in this life. If you look at the long term, the big picture, we all would agree, yes, this will work. But in the short term, unfortunately, when you're living day to day as an American and you're struggling or not, you look at it and say, well, of course. Of course, a little extra money in other people's pockets would work, but I just don't think that the appetite is there right now. And I, and it's the same with the justice system. When we talk about the changes to the justice system, yes, we can all agree, I think, or many of us can agree, and look at the situation and say, reforms need to be made. But then what happens? We 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 elect someone who is a reformer and puts those reforms into place maybe too fast for us to be willing to go along with, and there's pushback. So the Penn Center did this uh, Penn Center for Guaranteed Income Research. And I've heard the the criticism saying, well, of course, this school looking into this is going to agree that this is a good thing. Uh, So this pilot program gave 150 families $500 a month in St. Paul starting in October of 2020, ending in April of 2022. Uh, Those recipients were randomly selected from a list of families enrolled in St. Paul's College-Bound Program, which launched at the start of 2020 and set up a $50 college savings account for every newborn in the city. To qualify, families had to show they were economically affected by the pandemic and had an income at or below 300% of the federal poverty level, which is about $90,000 for a family of four. So the Penn researchers highlighted a few key findings, and I don't think any of this should surprise anybody. During the Guaranteed Income Program, uh, 40% to 47% of participants said they could cover a $400 expense, but after, once they stopped, that figure dropped to 33%. Uh, Similarly, 39% to 41% of participants said they had more than $500 in savings during the program, only 27% said the same six months later. Study also found the percentage of participants employed increased from 49% at the start of the pilot program to 63% six months after its conclusion. Uh, The Penn team is now conducting research on pilots run by local nonprofits focused on artists and refugees. Again, I don't think this surprises anybody, but David, do you think, I mean, when you look at it, it... is the appetite there for a public to say, okay, I want a certain amount of my tax dollars to go to guaranteed income for people who are, who are struggling? I just don't – and again, like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, this could be fully implemented in communities, cities across the country, and we'll, maybe we'll be saying, boy, why did we wait so long to do this? This solves so many other problems. But I just don't think that we as Americans see the long game like that, which makes it really yeah. difficult to sell a program like this.
3: I think that people's appetite for helping the, uh, whether it's poor or homeless or hungry or whatever uh, group we're talking about, uh, I, I think it's the same whether you think about whether the government should give or if you think about it in terms of like private philanthropy. like right. if I'm going So that's kind of how I think it. Like, okay, if I'm going to give money, where am I going to give it? And how do I do the most help for the most people? And what happens is people want to give money towards really extreme things. That there's a child who's hungry today, Mm -hmm. and if I give this money, that child will eat today. Mm -hmm. And organizations that have that type of strategy Get lots of dollars because that is an attractive thing to give towards. There's a kid down the street that's hungry. Yeah, I've got 10 bucks. I can give you a meal. Like that's a very easy answer, but it's much harder to say, okay, let's as a society stop and say, okay, there's a kid that's going to be hungry in 10 years or five years or two years. How do we support that kid's family today so that they don't get to the place a few years from now where they need that $10 to be hungry and it might even be more financially advantageous for us to do some work. And I don't know if this guaranteed basic income is the work that needs to get done, but to do whatever it is so that in five years, in 10 years, there's less hungry kids to feed and we can take action now, but that action we're going to take now isn't as attractive. Yeah. It's it's That's so right. social work. Yeah. It's guaranteed basic income. It's all these other things that... Are needed, but are hard for me and you to wrap our brains around. And it's much easier to say, there's a hungry kid that needs 10 bucks for lunch. Here you go. Like that's easy, but it doesn't solve the problem. It just puts a band aid
2: on the problem over and over and over. And and in the grand scheme of things, we might not be paying any more money. We might be, the the tax dollars we use for those emergency safety nets we use right now probably would be the same amount of money going towards something like this. And you would eliminate that in favor of this. Yep. And you're probably right. It's yes. the same. I equate it to emergency yeah. medicine or you know, the problem with healthcare in this country. Yeah. The, you know, failing to make your preventative measures, failing to, you know, get regular yeah. checkups. And it's only when you have an emergency or something's out of control health wise that you go. And then the problem is that much worse yes. when if you continually, whistle, continuously, went to your doctor's appointments your dentist appointments you wouldn't run into that problem
3: yeah and financially you might pay you know a hundred bucks a year for that yearly checkup but you'd avoid a you know fifty thousand dollar bill down the road and I, I think parts of that are true with this situation as well but it's hard to argue with your point that the appetite of our culture is not such that we're ready to give people 500 bucks a month like this
2: and am I saying that's wrong probably but boy and are there active groups and political parties out there uh convincing us uh, ensure, trying to convince us that the long term is, is not the way to go that it's yes absolutely but i just think right now in this time when so many of us feel like boy i'm paying a lot to the government right now and it's just there's not an appetite for it. But Anne in Brooklyn Park has texted in, and by the way, chime in here we Would love a phone call on this if uh, if you feel like this kind of guaranteed income is a way to go. Do we have an appetite to give rich people and corporations huge huge tax breaks? That's always the argument we see too, because yeah. we do it all the time. Yeah, right. And what are the argument? What are the people who? What do those corporations tell us? By doing that, we create jobs. We create, inv- we, cre- we create opportunity for people. But at the same time, you could argue, do they do that? You know, if we all got wages that paid us what we are worth and what we deserve and allow us to live a life that is met, we can meet inflation, meet the cost of living, it wouldn't be a problem. And yes, we demonize people who uh, we, we, we say, well, it's, that's, a, that's your problem. You've got to find a better job. You've got to make more money for yourself. That's, a, that's your problem. Don't rely on me for that. When we never put ourselves in the shoes of those people, we never do. And we, we equate, well, our, our experience, uh, whether it's in your upbringing, it's in your education or your work life, well, that must be the experience that everybody has, right? I mean, everybody has the same kind of experience. When you don't, when people don't have the same experience, people are born uh, into a situation that's much more advantageous than others. And yet, we equate. Well, it's the same kind. of, My life is the same as that person's. They just fail to uh, get as good a job as I got or get the education that I got. It's not the same. It's not an equal playing field. Six five one four six one nine two two six guaranteed income. The, the thing about these findings though, and I just, nothing really surprises me about these findings and, and the, the employment figure too, especially, I mean, look, the, we lost a lot of jobs during the pandemic. By and large, those jobs have come back. So that doesn't surprise me. I don't, I don't know how much of the employment was based on that, those finances, the, that $500 a month that those folks received. And yes, there's success stories has highlighted in the news stories about this. I don't doubt that at all. But, and you do uh, your mental health does improve. Your 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 outlook on life does improve if you are financially stable. Absolutely. But, is that the right answer? And is that sustainable? Six five one four six one nine two two six on this guaranteed uh, income in uh, Saint Paul, and will we see more of it? 10:45 your calls and texts we continue on News Talk 830 WCCO. And this final week of uh 2023 by the way your Linda's construction time check is 10:48 time to get 75% off installation labor on Infinity from Marvin Windows. Adam with you again uh Jordana still off uh, she has recovered from the illness she had uh, prior to the uh, holiday and she will be back with us tomorrow even though it's one it's a one and done. She's doing Thursday. Again, I argue that she wants to, she's merely coming in to do Dear Jordana.
3: I think she's just a diva like that. She doesn't want us to forget her,
2: but she only wants Correct. to,
3: take, you know, work wants, one day. Right. A one day week. It's but nice,
2: uh, we are looking forward to having uh, Jordana back. And uh, this final week of the year, we're replaying some of our uh, more important conversations or some interesting conversations that we had during the year. And one of the bigger news stories, again, this is one that we. Uh, almost forgot had happened. Totally forgot
3: about it till About I was looking at this today.
2: About college admissions and allowing race mm-hmm. as, as a determining factor in college admissions. You might remember this summer when that, that ruling was uh, handed down by the U.S. Supreme Court. One of the massive massive rulings socially that uh, came down from the court. And we talked to at the time Timothy Johnson, political science professor at the University of Minnesota who specializes in the Supreme Court. We talked to him at length about race and college admissions and what it was going to mean for the U of M. Uh, we'll replay that conversation coming up after the news. Professor Johnson, uh, it was a conversation that I think we had in June with uh, with uh, Jordana and myself. So uh, we'll replay that. Right now, though, we're talking about a guaranteed income. This, this report released by the University of Pennsylvania on the pilot program that St. Paul implemented, uh, giving $500 a month uh, from late 2020 through 2022, to a group of families in St. Paul. And whether or not Americans have the appetite to fund a program like this, even though, if you think about it, it would work. And Dave made such a great point about how many of us, even ones once we give to a private to charitable organizations... It's usually in the cases of emergency when people are homeless or people are, uh, you know, without a job. And and his argument was that, okay, if we fund this how it is now with this universal income, you would eliminate the need for those problems further down the road. And you can think about all the problems that poverty causes in our lives, in our society. And not just for the people who suffer from poverty or who are who are, are poor, but all the other folks. And think about the ways a guaranteed income would solve that. But again, we're such as a society short-term thinkers as beyond instead of looking at the long term, the the big picture of it. And I just don't know if we have the appetite for that. Some text coming in six five one four six one. 9226, your reaction here on the WCCO talk and text line. Poverty is a policy choice. Congress could get together right now and pass a policy to sign into legislation that everybody gets money no matter what. And that brings up the socialism argument. We have plenty of texters saying, well, this sounds like socialism. But it's, how many programs do we already have in our society that you could uh, refer to as Socialism. Uh, I don't know about this program. It'll play a devil's advocate. Uh, is there a time limit on this guaranteed money? Yes, there was. And what happens when the program stops? That's what we're talking about, is that, yes, in some cases, people, um, you know, they had that nest egg they were able to save, and when the extra money isn't coming in, shocking, it's not shocking that they weren't able to save as much. Uh, I'm all for feeding needy kids and families. There are so many things many of these families can cut out, like liquor, cigarettes, cell phones, cable. Well, That's also just a knee-jerk reaction sometimes that's misplaced, just assuming that, oh, yeah, they're buying liquor and cigarettes. And first of all, cell phones. I mean, it's pretty hard to exist nowadays if you don't have a cell phone. I would argue that
3: that would be one of the first things that you would get somebody who's trying to get somewhere in the world and wants to have, hello, employment and be able to take care of themselves in a lot of ways. A cell phone is one of the first things you'd get.
2: Yeah, that's not. I don't think that that is like a luxury anymore. Um, guaranteed money income study is a joke. The U Penn groom who studied the results couldn't be more pro guaranteed income. I'm not against the idea, but neither the pilot nor the study were objective. Uh, Carter skewed the pilot and the review to get the desired results. Scott in St. Paul, uh, he's talking about Mayor Melvin Carter. Um, your thinking is pre- this is from a text six five one four six one nine two two six. Your thinking is pretty short term. If we give those people five hundred dollars, they will just spend it and have their hand out wanting more. They won't save for an emergency, and sorry, they may sound harsh, but that's a fact. But that's see, I see. But I don't agree with that, and that's part of this overall the, this the mindset that we just villainize the poor. I mean, we we just. We villainize and just assume and just say that, well, that's on them. That's, that's yeah. their lifestyle choice. That's their, and in some cases it is, you know, but guess what? There are rich people who have problems with alcohol and drugs, and guess what? Just their lifestyle yeah. allows them to stay above water. Yeah,
3: and I, I think it's very fair to question this program. And yeah. That's why we're having this discussion. That's why we're doing a study about it, but- you could also say that all of the handouts and tax breaks we give to big corporations who promise us economic growth and promise us money coming back to the communities, right. a lot of times that's a lie too. Yeah. And if we're going to question you – know, if we're going to have these questions about giving money to people who you know, are really in a tough place and need it, we should equally be questioning yeah. um, money like that.
2: And again, it's a proven one of those cases too where it's just that like class warfare. I mean again, people in power. And political parties thrive on these kind of arguments because it gives them ample uh, material for elections uh, it's the same with the immigration debate with you know if, if they really wanted to solve it they could solve it but why don't they solve it because they can use it in campaigns they can use it in the run-up to election to keep themselves in power uh, I feel the majority of the 17 billion dollar surplus went to help the needy uh, it went to help. People in certain circumstances that, again, is the same kind of thing that, okay, let's take care of these issues that may, you may not feel like are super pressing issues but will benefit in the long run, including like child care. I mean, <sighs> that is a uh, – that that's a problem too where you, you can argue about that and say, well, that – you know, I, I paid for my own child care. It's no – that by taking care of that for somebody, for, for a group of people, it eliminates so many other problems down the road. Yeah. That's a prime example of one of those issues.
3: I think the biggest benefit and the biggest hope we have is that some of these things can enable people who have a hard time getting jobs to get jobs. And if for whatever reason, if it's education, if it's childcare, if it's a vehicle you need, if, if this guaranteed basic income or other programs can help somebody get a job – Um, that that truly is a win for the rest of our society because we have jobs that need to get filled. And those jobs mean you're a paying member or a a taxpayer that's paying into the system as well. Um, I I think a lot of it starts there, and I think that's what their
2: hope is for this program. And it's a good debate, and it's one we're going to continue to have as um, we further analyze the results of this study and as other communities probably look into doing something similar. Again, a massive uh, decision by the Supreme Court this year about race, using that as a determining factor in college admissions. Timothy Johnson's political science professor at the University of Minnesota. We talked to him about that. One of our more impactful conversations. We'll replay that next on News Talk 830 WCCO.
0: His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. <laughs> But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.
1: I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them.